Do you love Jesus Christ? Do you? Do you love him? The Bible tells us in Romans 5.5 that there's only one way that you can do that. It's through the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that pours out the love of God into us. And then we in turn give that love to others. Cannot, you can't make this happen. You can't force this to happen. It is the powerful movement of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And it's uncontrollable and uncontainable. Have you experienced that? Have you been overcome by him? And his love just pours out of you because you can't help it. Is that the church life you've experienced? Or has it been a very constrained, formalized, structured experience that just kind of, you put in a box and you just put kind of here and then you go on and do your thing? That's what I've experienced a lot of my life. This week, I was driving um, south on Kalamazoo, coming up to the intersection of 60th Street. And uh, above, uh, in front of me, maybe about a half a block, was a fairly brand new Jeep with one of those convertible hard tops on it, really cool, something I'd love to have someday but could never afford. As he went into the intersection of 60th, a car traveling west on 60th didn't see the red light, blew the red light, both of them going somewhere between 40 and 50 miles an hour. It was a smaller car. It literally submarined the Jeep, and the Jeep lifted off the ground and began to flip over and over in front of me. I don't know if you've ever seen an accident like this. It was horrific to watch, and, and the top flew off, so I could literally see the head of the guy in the car. He was a bit balding. Not that that has anything to yet. Yeah, Glenn goes, oh, I get that. But, um, and, and then it came to rest. He faced north. Um, the, I, could see, I could see him. He was, the car was facing north from the top. And, uh, and so there were, by the time I came up to the intersection, there were people there already ministering and getting them out of there. And some, the, the um, fire department happened to just be at the stop or at the light also. He just came across, I mean, it was like immediate, on board. And as I thought of that, a couple things happened to me. First of all, I, I, I started tearing up, thinking about what had just changed in that person's life like that. The other thing that happened to me is I started, crying, or started uh, praying and just asking God to be with them. The other car had drifted off of my, my vision, so I didn't know where that ended up. Um, but then another thing happened, and that was this. In my soul, I, I heard the Lord say this. This is what's happening to my church. This is what's happening to the church of Jesus Christ. It is being submarined by the culture. And it is being flipped on end from the truth of the gospel into some ideology that is nothing I have taught and I have been thinking about this um, for a little bit, so it was something that connected. If you know the church's history, you know at least in part why the pilgrims were looking for a place to, work, to, to come and to start a new land. The Anglican church uh, had become so connected with the state of Europe that... Um, they became abusive in keeping people 
doing the moralistic thing. You, you realize that morals don't drive the church, right? It's the result of our faith, but it wasn't what drives the church. What drives the church is Jesus Christ, the gospel that he came, he died, he arose again from the dead, and by his precious blood, our lives are changed and transformed for all eternity. That's what drives the church of Jesus Christ. But in England, what had happened was there was this false ideology that um, we had to make sure people conformed morally to our standards. Kind of sounds like the Pharisees of old. And, uh, and because of that, they, had, they were so connected with the state that they actually began to dictate over people's lives exactly how they were to live. And if you remember the pictures, you remember people in stocks, people in prison, people were killed because they were not conforming. And, uh, and so some went out from there and said, there's got to be a place we can find to worship Jesus Christ the way he called us to. I mean, we go through the Reformation, we can go through all the things that came out of history. But Today, the opposite is happening. We have something called separation church and state. Some people have interpreted that as we no longer need, the, need faith in the government. We got to keep that separate. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with that. It's very dangerous where the gospel sword and the civil sword, which God created to be a part and to do specific acts in society to keep a healthy society, we're now converging and causing um, uh, great damage and great abuse. In fact, um, there's, a, there's a saying that says that power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we saw that in Europe, and today we see that in respect to the fact that the opposite has happened, and that is that the culture has taken the state by force, and now, thus, a culture-run state is working to cancel the church's impact in the world. You believe that? I do, too. I do, too. I do, too. You know, I, don't, I don't know where all of you are at. I don't know if, um, you know if you truly believe in Jesus Christ and if, if you're here worshiping him or if you're coming and your heart is searching uh, to say, you know, is this Jesus real? And, and can I trust him with my life? I want to just say, yes, you can. But if that's you, and if you're, if you're here, and you're kind of wondering about what this Christian thing is about, just a warning. You're not walking into um, a cakewalk. You're not walking into, um, you know, just... I mean, there are amazing blessings in the Lord Jesus Christ, but along with it is amazing persecution, and it's growing in this country, and it's, it's growing. And one of the things that I thought about as we started this church is, and I asked the question of this leadership, is how do I train people to be ready for the war? Because it's coming. It, it is not the church of our parents and our grandparents anymore. It's not. It, you are on, you, you, it is an all-out assault to quiet and to stop your voice because there is a group of people in this country and in this world that have determined the church no longer has a voice to speak into this world. We need to cancel it. We need to quiet it. And so... As I, as I thought about this message, I thought the, the, the title is this, Freedom in the Fires of Sorrow. Because if you don't feel a great sorrow about what's going on, you are not in tune with what's going on in our country, what's going on in this world. You should have a growing sorrow moved by the Holy Spirit on what's going on in our world today. And our world is not so far away from, and you'll find it out in our passage today, not so far away from those who even live within your own home. 
And so I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, the 10th chapter. If you need a Bible, we can get you one. Um, is there any? Yes, I've got some hands. Daniel, would you be willing to grab some Bibles? I've got one hand back here. We love to be reading the Word of God together. We love to be looking at it, actually the visible words. And if you have a phone, you can do that. If you uh, don't have a phone or don't have a Bible, we, we've got one right back here uh, for the Bible. As we approach this passage I want, you to, I want you to get a sense of God's heart. God's heart says this. In Ezekiel 6, 9, it says this. How I have been grieved by their adulterous hearts, which have turned away from me, and by their eyes, which have lusted after their idols. That is the heart of our God. That is what he is grieved over. And he desires uh, the church to stand up again. And so, um, as we, we're just going to go through this uh, verse by verse. So, um, Matthew 10, 16 through 33 are the verses we're looking at today. Um, why is this important to me to talk about? Because when I started to see the outworking of this, I was caught off guard. I was brought up like many of you where I, I believe the lie that everybody believes the same thing that I believe. And I just kind of, you know, like this whole Christian bubble thing. I was brought up, and, and when, when things started to happen, where people started to abruptly turn away from God, even amidst the church, which is in here also, I was taken out. I was like, I, I didn't know what to say. I was like, what? I can still remember. Um, a couple that we grew up with, um, and they had children a little bit older than ours, but we went camping with them, we lived life with them, we worshiped together, all the things. And one day they said to us, my wife and, have and I have decided not to go to church anymore. And it was like we just sat back and went, What? What? And I mean, we couldn't, we just said nothing. We could say nothing. One of our friends said, oh, well, there's good preachers on TV, or on, yeah, on TV too. I was like, what a dumb response. But it was just like, what's going on in front of us? Couldn't get past it. And, uh, and it, 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 is a, it is a slow fade that's happening in our country where people are, why do you worship? Because the Spirit of God calls you to worship or because you thought it was a good idea to worship? The Spirit of God calls us. Yeah, the Spirit of God calls us, draws us, says, come and worship me. And I am your strength. I'm your portion. I'm what you need. Come and worship me. And that is true. But these friends of ours decided they had made a decision on their own that they weren't going to worship anymore. And that has happened time and time again. I don't want you to be caught off guard. We have some young people among us, some that are just receiving Jesus Christ as, old, uh, as their Lord and Savior uh, in front of our face. And they need to know that it's not going to be an easy journey. There's going to be difficulty. You're going to get kickback. Because the way you're walking is not the way that the world is walking, and you're going against it. And so, this, these verses here, and so anyways, let me just start out, uh, start out 16, listen to it. It says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. This is the cool thing. Jesus is painting a picture of us, uh, for us here. That in the midst of, of a culture that's moving away from the Lord, we need to be people who are lambs. Now, a lamb is not a really strong animal. In fact, it's pretty dumb. 
But it's also, um, it, is, it is also a, um, um, uh, a picture of the fact that our strength is not in ourself. Our strength is in Jesus Christ. The wolves are going to come to us in their strength and they're going to come against us. But we need to stay weak before the Lord. Why is that? Because if you don't, what's going to happen? Listen to me. And guys, you know this. That's when you, when you fight the battle, isn't your natural tendency to become kind of self-protective and a little bit bitter and a little bit angry and a little bit of isolation? He wants you to stay soft before him. He told Paul, he said, it is in your weakness that my strength is made known. He wants us to stay soft before him, even in the midst of the battle. I need to hear this. In the past couple of years, there's been some battles that have really raged against my heart. And I have needed to say, okay, Lord, I see something growing within me that wants to be a tendency to being bitter, separation, and protection. And I can't do that. I, you're my everything. And you are the one who is my protector. And so, and so it says that I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Stay dependent on him. Stay trusting the shepherd. Don't move from that. Second of all, it says, shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Serpents in the ancient times represented wisdom. So when he talks about shrewd as snakes, what he's saying is, stay wise. Stay, and and where, does, where does wisdom begin? The fear of God. Stay there. Let God's fear be greater than anything else. But also as doves, stay innocent. So wisdom and innocence, cunning and gentleness are handmaids of, dis- of discretion. It means don't be overcome by the offense of what's happening, but with a heart that is pure and innocent and a mind that is thinking clearly, be ready in season and out of season to share the hope that you have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to stay, we need to stay like lambs, Trusting our shepherd, we need to stay wise, and we need to stay um, innocent. I think Paul said it this way, and I said it later on, but he said this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That means I'm trusting that even, I mean, have you ever had a situation that was so evil in front of you that you just wanted to rise up and just to vengeance all over it? I just, I'm just going to return what I've been given back on it. Absolutely, every one of us have. And God is saying, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Be wise, be innocent, be like a lamb. I got you. I've got you. So, what are the attacks that we can expect? This is very important. What are the attacks that we can... First, in verse 17, be on your guard. You will be handed over to local councils and be flogged in the... What? What? Are you serious? In the church? Yes. Yes. This is a hard one because we come to church innocently thinking that we're going to be loved and accepted by everyone and yet some of the greatest attack. I find it interesting this is the first one. Um, just, Just remind me who was the ones that attacked Jesus the most. Oh, yeah. This is a church. Isn't that crazy? The very, the very family that he had created to make was the very family that was attacking him. And that happens today. Oh, it happens today. I, had a, I have a pastor friend of mine. We've been friends for over 30 years. 30 years ago, he was looking at the possibility of a discipleship position, and I had, the, I had the job description in my hand thinking about, okay, Lord, are you calling me to be a disciple at this church, a disciple maker? He was the one that had come to my wife and I and said, um, you should plant a church. 
He's the one that guided me through the process so that the pier could be planted here. And yet today, in ver- this very year, he has stood up and made a proclamation of, of the fact that right is, uh, wrong is right and right is wrong. And he won't talk to me anymore. Because he stood against that and said, you're wrong. The Bible says, it is happening, people of God. It is happening today. And so we as people need to stay, uh, and we'll get to that, but we need to stay close to Christ and close to each other. Verse 18, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. And then verse 19, but when they arrest you, and we'll go on with that later. And so there's civil persecution. When the government is infiltrated with evil ideology of the culture, it will turn on believers. If you remember, Paul was beaten badly by the, by the um, government officials in Acts 22. Because he was brought before them because they were making, the church was making proclamations that he was against Caesar. And they beat on him until they realized that he was a Roman citizen. And then all of a sudden they became scared because they, he didn't have a trial and they were doing it wrong. There was so much abuse. It is happening today. Riley Gaines is an all-star swimmer of the university, was an all-star swimmer of the University of Kentucky. 12-time NCAA champion, All-American, one of the fastest women in the country in the 200 butterfly. On March 17, 2020, she was not only forced to swim against a biological man who had transitioned from a male, uh, he was Will Thomas, and then to a female, Leah, Leah Thomas, but because of government force, they were forced to change in the same locker room. With a biological male. Riley is a follower of Jesus Christ, and she is being persecuted for her stance of women's rights. She is being, I mean, she, was, she was beaten by students. She was held hostage for three and a half hours. And uh, it's just incredible what's happening to her. And I've happened to have been listening to her speak to um, to our house, and uh, just her courageousness to stand up as a believer in our world for women's rights to not swim against a biological male. Incredible. Civil persecutions coming. It's happening. You don't believe it? Watch the news. That's all you got to do. In the verse 21 and 22, brothers will betray brother to death and a father his child and children rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Family persecution. We have, a, we have countless um, tales of that even in this room today where fam- uh, former family members or family members are persecuting. We have seen this in incredible ways in the Islam religion, in which uh, anybody who becomes a Christian are abused and even murdered outright by the family. In verse uh, 34 th- uh, through 36 of this same chapter, Jesus said these, these words, Do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anybody witness to that? Isn't that incredible? But that happens. That happens. I say these three things to you for this reason. I want you to understand where the sorrow is coming from. From an evil ideology begins to take over, begins to break down the healthy structure that God intended for a society of people. 
I know, I don't have to wonder, I know that some of us have experienced this. I have talked to many people who have had church pain and have been abused um, wrongly by the church. I know that there are people that have been come against uh, in civil life, have been taken to court for reasons that they, um, uh, they had done nothing wrong, and yet they were court. And I know for a fact that there are people who have had family members that they have, um, uh, that have become abusive because of their walk with Jesus Christ. So as the culture becomes more anti-Christian, um, sorrow begins to grow. That is why, listen to me, that is why Jesus taught us, told us to count the cost. To count the cost. Because there's going to be a great cost if you seriously are going to follow Jesus with all your heart. If you are seriously going to let his spirit lead you in this culture, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a cost to the church that you worship at. Somebody told us one time, uh, Sue and I, that if Jesus Christ doesn't worship at this church that you're at, you're free to leave. Because it's happening. I don't want to mention any names because we're not a pulpit that, that talks about our names, but a famous pastor uh, that Sue and I just recently listened to this week, has made some incredible cultural changes and is now teaching evil ideology off his pulpit. Be careful. Be careful. There's a cost. There's a cost. There's a cost to Sue and I because our daughter has turned away from the Lord and we chose to stand on the side of right instead of standing on the side of our daughter and we are currently at um, not, and not speaking to each other. We pray for her every month. We fast and pray for her life. But we are, we are living a life that is totally separate from her for she has chosen to not follow Christ but to follow the world. I love this quote out of C.S. Lewis. It says this, When everyone is running toward the cliff, the person running in the opposite direction appears to have lost their mind. That is a picture of what it is when we are following Jesus Christ. The world is running toward the cliff of evil. You see it, don't you? Do you? Yes! And we've turned around and we're going, no, I won't do that. I follow Jesus Christ. And you appear to have lost your mind to the world. It is ridiculous that you're worshiping a man who died years ago. What are you reading a book that was written thousands of years ago? It obviously doesn't apply to us anymore. These are the things the culture is telling us. Has reading this word touched your life? Has it changed your life? Does it so move your heart that you literally look sin in the face and say, you know, I, I used to do you. I, I, I even feel right now I could do you, but I'm not going to because Jesus died for me and arose from the grave. Anybody witness to that? Amen? Amen. Changes your life. But not just that. Whole new purpose. No longer running after the things of the world. No, more, no longer being moved by what, what the world says it has to offer you. But just, you know what? I'm living for Jesus. And it, it, it doesn't matter where he takes me. I'll go. I will just go. Is that you? I love it. My friends are sitting in front of me here. Twelve years ago, we started a church. None of us knew what we were doing. No, no, no. Can I say that again? None of us knew what we were doing. Our, a good friend of ours said this. 
and it was such a, such a freeing thing. He said, just remember this one thing. You're not big enough to screw this up. <laughs> and that has been a prophetic word over our leadership. It is so true. But here we are. And God's drawn you to come today to worship him. Not because we're so good or that this thing is so good, but because his spirit is saying, come and worship me. I've got a place for you to do that. And if, if you don't have a place that you call home, I pray that you might find a place here. But if you do, go back home there and worship Jesus with everything that you are. Because we need that in this world today. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Let's, let's keep, I'm just, just having fun here. Um, because in the midst of this, in, in the midst of um, a society that embraces lies, truth that becomes offensive, and the seer, the one who is saying the truth, as harsh and uncompassionate, we need comfort. We need comfort. We need someone to speak to our hearts and say, now, don't you give up. And that's Jeremiah 18, or 818 says this, you who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. You ever felt that way? Ever felt that you were faint within you? It's kind of, I think, a normal experience of a lamb. Because all the time, especially in sorrow, it isn't our strength that gets us through it. It isn't our ability that gets us through it. It is total dependence on Jesus Christ. It is total dependence on his Holy Spirit. It is just, and, and you come to the end of yourself and, and you begin to allow just the Spirit to move you because you believe that Jesus Christ is your comforter. You believe he's the only source of your strength. You believe that in him you can do all things. Apart from him you can do nothing. Do you believe that? I do too, and that's why we need to hear that. So first, going back to the, our verses now, it says, listen, I, these words, and I'm just, I'm kind of taking them a little bit out of, out of order, but I, I, I think it's important. First of all, verse 24, look at it. The teacher is not above, or excuse me, the student is not above the teacher, nor is the servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like their teachers and servants like their master. But look at this. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? Oh, whoa. What is he talking about there? What is he talking about there? And even in verse 22, he says, you will be hated uh, by everybody because of me. Jesus knows the heart of everyone. Jesus knows the hearts of, of those Pharisees who two chapters later, Two chapters later in the 12th chapter would say, it's only by Beelzebul that the, price of de or the prince of demons that this fellow drives out demons. They believed Jesus was full of the devil. <laughs> I, I don't, you find that ironic? The son of God, God himself, so didn't see him that they believed that he was driving out people by demons. Remember what his response is? Well, then, what are your people driving them out by? He just throws it back in his face. I just love his questions. This is the point. In the midst of this, one of your comforts is this. You are being like Jesus. In a world where, where people are, are so claiming identities... The only identity the Christian is given is the identity of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. And we are being like Jesus when in the midst of a pushback of the culture, in the midst of people not wanting to hear the truth, that we are standing our ground and not, not giving way, but speaking the truth of Jesus Christ even to those who don't want to hear it. You are being like Jesus. In fact, when you are being... Um, persecuted. One Peter tells us this, the fourth chapter, the 14th verse, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God, or the glory of God, which is the spirit, is another way to say that, rests on you. I get it. 
that some of you are work at jobs where they tell you you can't talk about Jesus. Does that stop you? I get it that you have family members that say, I don't want to hear about this Jesus. I get it that um, I go and pray at the Wyoming government um, about four or five times a year. year. There are are, um, people in that government that don't want um, invocation anymore. They want to cancel that out because they don't think it's appropriate to be praying to Jesus. There's pushback. I get it. But the comfort is, and when I walk into somewhere, I don't know if you ever walked in, but when I walk into a place where I know that there's going to be conflict, I'm praying. Jesus, help me to be an honest, truthful witness for you in the midst of this. Because I know that congressperson is like, they won't even close their eyes. They will stand and glare at me because they don't believe I should be doing this. Lord, just give me, and that you walk out of there, and you're like, dancing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the privilege. I will do this as long as you let me. And so you're being like Jesus. Second thing is, verse 19, uh, B through uh, 20, says these words. Um, Well, it says, uh, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At the time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. The second comfort is this. The Holy Spirit is right there with you. Jesus promised he would not leave us as orphans. Do you believe that? Yes, I do too. You're not alone. I know many people feel alone at times, but you're not alone. He is right there with you. And he says this, when you're confronted by hatred, don't worry. Even though it's, have you been confronted by hatred before? Isn't that the most like intense time in your life when you are confronted by somebody who absolutely hates you? I, I, I don't know, of, I've never been in war That's got to be pretty tough to be out there um, fighting on the battlefield. Um, Usually you're a little farther away from the enemy and you're shooting, but there is hand-to-hand combat. But I know of no greater thing than hatred. And uh, and in that moment, you have an advocate in the Holy Spirit right at that moment. When my wife and I uh, confronted our daughter about the things that she was doing, and he allowed us to see the truth, There were times where I saw pure hatred come against me and my own daughter. There's no greater pain than that. I don't know if you've experienced it, but we have. We have. But the Holy Spirit is there, and he was there with us in that time. Uh, And he is here today. So, being like Jesus, the Holy Spirit's right there. It's our comfort. And then third... Uh, Verse 26 and 27 says, So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. What shuts people down? Isn't it what other people think of them? Or what they perceive other people think of them? What's said about them behind closed doors that they know is being said because of some conflict? You ever been there? Yeah, absolutely. And it shuts people's hearts down. But the promise here is that whatever is said in the dark will be proclaimed in the light. Nothing will be hidden. Even what you might be thinking right now in the quietness of your own mind is proclaimed openly. But the encouragement is this. Keep your heart open before God and men. Don't shut down because of the persecution that's coming against you. 
It's one of the hardest things that happens. This is later, but I just, but I just want to say it now. Some of the things that you go through, because of the intense evil, will, dis- will want to shut your heart off. Why is it important not to? Because this. God created you to be a follower of him. Amen? That was God. Do you believe that's God's design? Do you believe that before the foundations of the earth were created, he called you? If you're coming to church today and you're saying, well, you know, I'm trying to figure out this Jesus thing, you know why you're doing that? Because before the foundations of the earth were created, you were called. Whoa, that's huge. What can stop you if you were in the mind of God before you were created? Absolutely nothing. That's the power of this thing. If you've not received Jesus Christ, don't let today go by. You're here because he called you. He predestined you, elected you, and that has nothing to do with your abilities. It has everything to do with his amazing heart and that he loves you. That's awesome. But here's the important thing is when you go through persecution, when you go through hardships, when you go through rejection, when you go through these things, evil can overcome you and change you as a person. But as we trust in the Lord, as we believe him that, um, that he is in, the, in that moment, evil does not overcome you. You overcome evil. You do not change who you are because somebody else's opinion or because somebody else's abuse against you. You stay who you are in Jesus Christ. I w- if, we had, if we had honesty in church today, I mean, if we were really willing to be really honest with ourselves, how many of us have been changed by the evil that was done to us? And we started to live out ways that were not of God, but were of, yeah, that were of evil. You know, can right? Right? You go through a relationship brokenness, and all of a sudden you say, well, if that's the way they're going to be... Or if, you know, right? Oh! The promise here is the fact that, that Jesus Christ, my wife sometimes doesn't believe who she's married to. <laughs> I, I get that part. But, but the promise here is the fact that in the midst of the most intense persecution, in the midst of the most difficult time, if you will remain open to the Lord, and to others, you will not change. You'll be the same person before the persecution, during the persecution, and after the persecution. And you know what that brings? Now listen to me. you got to get this. This is huge. You know what that brings? Yes! <laughs> Freedom! But peace that surpasses understanding that brings Freedom! Thank you. Yeah, keep studying that thing. It's so true. The times that I went through hardship, that I allowed it to move my life and to me to start acting out under the evil instead of acting out under the freedom in Christ is the times that I regret. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the whole point behind when, when somebody slaps you in the face. Turn them the other. Why? You're not changed. No, no, his or her or their evil has not changed who you are. You don't have to slap them out of revenge. You know that God has got your back. It's a whole new life. Even in the size of this group, there are people that are living out revenge right now. Your life has been moved 
by revenge. You're, you're living the way you're, you're doing the things that you're doing. You, you, you use substance to get away from it because it has, it has determined who you are. And I'm telling you, there's freedom because if you're willing to allow the open heart of Jesus Christ who died on a cross for you to be that heart that you depend on, you can keep your heart open before others and him. You don't have to be changed. You can be the same person and you... I, this is probably more for the speaker than anybody else in this room. In the past few years, because of some things that have come against me personally and against this church, I felt my life changing. I felt more protected and like I'm up in front of here, I'm trying to just do everything right and just, man, it's just such a bondage. There's such a freedom when you let the Holy Spirit just take and say, say, listen, when you do the right thing and you're following me, even though they hate you, you're being like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is right there with you. He has not left you orphaned. You're not alone. You're not isolated. I got you. And keep your heart open, Pastor, before God and men so that they can see you even in the midst of this. Sue and I met a lady at Horrocks. I first met her and went through the line and, uh, and she, we started talking and she immediately went into her belief that there's life after death. And I said, oh, really? I said, I got 10 seconds. And, and I, so we talked a little bit. I left. I said to Sue, I said, I, I, just, I hope that the Lord will open up another time for me to speak to her. And so we were at Horrocks a few weeks later and she had just turned her light off to, be, um, uh, to leave. And when she saw me, I don't think she recognized me. When she saw me, she turned her light back on and she said, that was God's spirit. I said, amen, I'm coming. <laughs> and, and so, I, you know, I, I said, do you remember me? I'm, I'm the guy you talked about in your life after. She said, yes, I do remember you. I said, I'm so interested in understanding what you know about that. I said, and I'd like to share what I know. And, and, and she said, let's do that. And then I said, I'm a Christian. She said, oh. So we gave her our number and a card, and, um, and, uh, and so anyways, uh, well, she didn't call. So a couple weeks later, <laughs> we come in, and I said, Sue, there she is again. So I went in there, and I said, you didn't call. She said, well, I just probably feel that you and I probably wouldn't have the same belief. And I said, you know what? That's okay. I said, if we'd be willing to listen to you, would you be willing to listen to us? And her, her, her face lightened up. And, she, and Sue said, uh, my wife, I just love her. She says, do you like Starbucks? <laughs> <sighs> she says, I love Starbucks. I said, let's meet. <laughs> Hasn't called yet. She has our numbers. But you know, it's just, it, isn't it interesting though? To, to some, listen to me, to some, the gospel is, is the fragrance of life. And to some, it's the fragrance of death. That means it's true. Islam is, well, maybe it's a fragrance of death to me. But, but I'm not bothered by Islam because, because I know it's not true. There's no power in it. But that, yeah, oh, I just, on and on and on. Let's, let's, we, we do need to, okay, so. So, uh, you are being like Jesus. The Holy Spirit's right with you. Keep your heart open before God and man. It's going to be hard. And, and if, if, if someone here today realizes that their heart has been closed off by evil, um, you know, um, I'm going to invite my brother uh, Daniel up, and he's going to stand up here, and he'll pray over you. Does that sound good? So, then, fine, uh, yeah, finally. Um, verse, well, no, there's, no, I think it's fine. Two more. Um, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Keep the proper fear in your life. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. Why is that? Because in the long run, he can do nothing to you. 
right? The Bible says this, and we'll get to it um, in, in a few weeks. In Romans 8, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that is nobody. 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 And so, how do I know I trust in the Lord? How do I know that? First of all, because uh, of my fearful awe and respect of God is greater than the fear of man. I can tell you since the inception of the pier, there has been meetings that I have had to walk into that have uh, been meetings that have caused my legs to shake. Because I knew I was, I was facing um, uh, some situations that uh, were coming against me and coming against the church. I remember one meeting, I walked in and I said these very words. I said, Lord, you're the one who started the pier and you're the one who's going to protect the pier. I'm not going to go in there and defend it. I'm going to go in there and watch you defend it. And by golly, he did. He did. And we're still here today. So, your fear, keep it in the right place. The beginning, uh, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Amen. And then finally, verse 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The final comfort is this. You are of great worth to God. Somebody need to hear that today. Somebody has been living in the auspices that you have very, very little worth to anybody. You are of great worth to God. Great worth to God. Sometimes we equate our worth of God by what we see in the mirror. God says very specifically, I am not man. I am not man. And so, your value is based on the value of his own son. John 17, 23 says, I am them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved, listen, and have loved them even as you have loved me. God loves you like his own son. That's why you sent Jesus, because of the equated value of us, willing to give his own son so that he could have you in heaven with him, in a relationship with him your whole life. That is, that's an amazing truth. So in the midst of sorrows, our comfort is being like Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you, keep your heart open, keep the proper fear in your heart, and you are of great worth to God. So what do we do in the midst of this growing spiritual sorrow in our land? John 12, 27 says these words. And they're Jesus' own words. He says, now my soul is troubled. And this was when he realized that the cross was coming. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very hour I came to this. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. John 12, 27. The words of Jesus are an encouragement in the midst of growing sorrow in our world. Jesus didn't walk away from his cross. He walked toward it. Jesus is calling us to walk toward our cross and to carry it every day. You see, the Christian life is not saved from sorrow, but through sorrow. It is the heart of a Christian broken by the sorrow they see or the experience that actually becomes the foundation to motivate a heart to do something about it. If I were to ask every single one of you, do you have a ministry? What would the answer be? Some of us have been so bought out by the consumer Christianity that we just come and go from church just receiving, just receiving, but never giving back. Someday I'm going to preach a message called the ministry of anguish. 
Because that is where passion is birthed, in anguish. When God's Spirit clearly shows you something that is wrong against Him, and you, by your own soul, say, God, I see it, I know how you feel about it, and I am willing to walk into it. David McIntyre's part of a ministry called um, Set Free Ministry. It's a ministry that was birthed out of the fact that um, one of its founders was, uh, or the founder of it was, um, literally had um, uh, an encounter with a demonic force and didn't know what to do with it. And began to research and found Neil Anderson's material and realized that there are ways that God has set in his book to set the hearts of people free. And so they go through something that's uh, called a freedom appointment and they work with people in the word of God to set people's hearts free. Why? Why do you think there's a, a growth of demonic work in this country? For the very reason of what I just said. Our culture has turned away from the Lord. And even in churches, I was talking to somebody, I, there was a, <laughs> a gentleman by the name of Reggie, he's a black man, black friend of mine before the doc was even in here, he was in the room in back of us here praying with me. We prayed together for about a year, and we're at Myers yesterday, and we run in, and I look at, Reggie, you got gray hair! So, so do you, Andersma. And, uh, but, you know, just, just, he prayed for this ministry. And I was just reminded the beauty of that. There is a demonic force that has unleashed in our country because, oh, oh this is the reason I brought his name up. He said, he said, Wayne, what I don't understand is people who have gone to church for so many years are no longer going. Why is that? Why is that? Because, because there's a movement away from the Lord. But denying its power. A form of godliness, but denying its, yes. Personal sin, but also denying the power that we have to live this life, live the purpose we have, and to live in this world, coming against the enemy and taking back ground. You know, this, this thing is not about the peer. You, you know that? I mean, the peer names come and go, I don't care. What I care about is I want to see the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God on this earth. He promised us in Daniel that it would appear initially as a small rock, hewn not with human hands, and that it would smash against all the kingdoms of this earth, destroying every single one of them and plant itself down and become a vast kingdom. Well, Tracy Zichterman, that's who you are. Kingdom of God, advancing. Truck driving down a road, trying to loosen your load. And <laughs> we won't go with that song. But I just, yeah. <laughs> but people of God, that is the most important thing. The kingdom of God is advancing. Because why? Because the kingdom of evil has been advancing in this country. That's why there's the more demonic work in this country, because he has more freedom. And it's time for the church to rise up and to say, enough, not on my watch. We get on our knees. And, and literally, people of God, I, what, what am I hoping out of this message? First of all, I'm hoping this, that you'll go home and you'll say, okay, God, where are some of the areas that I have been hit by things in my life that I have protected myself against? Where, where has evil overcome me and I'm not overcoming evil? Lord, show me that. I want to become more of an overcomer. Second of all, second of all, I want you to answer your question. Are you in ministry? Are you on the front lines bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to people? Are you? If you're not, it's time. What is it going to take? The death of your child? Your company, you know, going under. What's it going to take to wake you up to what's happening? What is it going to take for God to break your heart and for you to truly find freedom in the sorrow? 
Because now you see it as he sees it. And, and, and your heart is moved to say, I need to do something. Because it's time, people of God. Yes, you're a defensive lamb against a defenseless lamb in a world of wolves. But you are stronger than the wolves. Yes, civil government's going to come against you. Yes, there's going to be churches that are come against you. And yes, you're going to see it from your own family. Somebody may be asking this question, okay, how do I know if the sorrow of God has hit me so much and that my heart is ready? First of all, do you have a story about how God rescued you? Do you have a story? Everybody has a story how God has rescued them. I'm talking about a date. I'm talking about a story that God came down, reached down, and plucked you out and called you his own. Do you have that story? Second of all, do you have a compassion for the lost? Can you see them? Do you see them at work? Do you see them in your family? Do you see them in your life? Third, have you laid down your agenda and asked God to lead you no matter what he wants you to do? If he wants you to quit your job, if he wants you, it doesn't matter. I, I, I'm on board with you. I, my heart is so sorrowful. I'm on board. And this is the fourth thing. Somebody who has, who has been freed through the fire of sorrow is somebody that always has time to take with you, to walk with you, and to talk with you. They will change their agenda because the sorrow is so deep that they're available, no matter what the cost. Do you have the, fire, the freedom that's found in the fire of sorrow? Have you found that true freedom? Stand with me. Like I said, after the service, uh, Daniel's going to be up here. I'll be up here myself. If, if, if the Lord's Spirit has convicted you today, and you've been walking this line of just whatever, just walking, no experiencing the sorrow of God in your heart. No experience of, of his spirit changing you. No experience of God calling you to walk as lambs into the wolves. Calling you to follow him even against religious persecution, civil persecution, family persecution. And just walk in to be like Jesus, knowing the spirit's here. I haven't opened my heart up. I've been living protected. And you heard the call to open your heart up. Um, acknowledging him. Acknowledge him. He says this. He says this in verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Coming up and admitting Something that has struck your heart today is acknowledging God. It's acknowledging him in your life. It's acknowledging your great need for him. And it's acknowledging that your life is his. So we're going we're gonna to sing this song in a minute. I want you to pray about that. God's calling us to be a people that are set free. But it's his sorrow of his own heart that opens that freedom up. Will you connect with the heart of God and hear his voice today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for precious time on this Independence Day and a day that we do celebrate, yet we're one of the, one of, still one of the freest nations in all the world. And yet, Lord, we see that freedom disintegrating because uh, the evil one is grasping a hold of our nation in a way like he had never has in the past. Father, I pray that my life will be a life that shares the good news. That, Father, um, this lady at Horrocks will, uh, will call Sue and I. And that, Lord, we'll be able to sit down with her and be able to share the gospel with her. And that, Lord, that heart of hers may 
if you're calling her, that we get the opportunity to see a heart explode in the presence of her God who loves her. Father, I pray that for each person here. I'm so thankful for things like UCAN Ministries uh, that continues to call us to go out into the neighborhood and love people. People are here today worshiping with us because of that. And Lord, we're seeing your movement of your spirit in ways that we had not seen since we started this church. And we just pray a blessing upon those movements. Father, I just pray that you'll convict each of our hearts, each of our hearts, in the midst of the offense of this world. There's a verse that says, comes to mind, says that wisdom gives a man patience. It's to the glory of a man to overlook an offense. Father, may we overlook the offense of what's happening in this world so that we can share the good news, even with those who are offending us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We praise you for your word. May it move our hearts in a way that changes and transforms us. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.